0: And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him.
1: This is the Hagman and Hagman report. Coming to you live from our radio and television studios in beautiful Northwest Pennsylvania. Glad you can join us. Welcome. Uh, We have listeners. Uh, I want to say hello to to, uh, Frank and Henry listening in Germany and also Don, Michael, Keith and listening from the UK where it's a little late there. Um, And, of course, all all listeners across Europe, uh, Australia, New Zealand, all across North and South America, Central America and Canada, My goodness. Well, as if that's not part of North America, right? Well, I want to say welcome and uh, let you know that we've got two websites, HagmanReport.com. That's HagmanReport.com. That's for show prep. That's for information that you need to know uh, that we feel is important, presented to you in analytical form, sometimes just straight information. Last weekend, uh, that was a, a cutting-edge platform for news about the bombing in New York and uh also in uh New Jersey and also the stabbing in Minnesota. And of course uh, that integrates with our social networking. Follow us on Facebook. Of course, follow us on Twitter as well. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Uh we'd recommend that. And also if you're if you're watching this via YouTube, we ask you that you do one thing and that's subscribe to our YouTube feed. There's a lot of reasons for that. Um in this era right now we are we are we have we are fighting censorship like you cannot believe uh, I'm going to do a report on this, and Joe and I maybe will do a report together on this at some point the The censorship is is deeper and greater and more incisive than you may think now they're they don't go after small as a, uh, generally speaking they don't go after small YouTube uh, channels or small Radio broadcasts. They go after the larger ones, the people with larger platforms like us, and so, so it's it's kind of a, a a blessing and a curse in a way. the 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 more exposure you have, well, seemingly, the more popular you are, right? Well, yeah, that's true, but also you're on the radar of the enemy. Of course, it, it doesn't take a rocket science scientist to really understand that. But what they're doing is is they're they're coming at us. And other shows, Infowars and Rick Wiles and, and and other shows like ours, they're coming at us in a number of ways, a number, through a number of doors and windows, and they're digging holes and climbing over fences. And, and and it's really interesting to watch this take place. Now, tonight we are going to have part two. as This is going to be a great show tonight, um, and, and we expect a lot of, a lot of, well, shall I say a lot of problems? I mean, if we have problems tonight, you'll know why. Because tonight, this broadcast, this particular broadcast, we will be talking, uh, with, for the part two and the final part of uh, Loretta Fuddy, the who, why, how, and behind her ostensible death. You know, everyone talking about the body doubles of Hillary, Diane, Rodham, Clinton. Well, pay attention to this show tonight. And, and I, I, I will say this: Rex is coming on, and when he dropped the investigation on my desk, metaphorically speaking, because he sent it to me, but when it was dropped on my desk, I looked at it. I, I mean, I read through every page, every footnote, every every aspect of that, and I said, "You know, I don't. I, I, great investigation. I just don't agree with your conclusions." And he said, "Why not?" And I said, "Well, I just..." I just have a problem with that. He said, Okay, let me address, you know, give me the most the uh deepest questions you have. And uh wow. After he answered all of my questions, I looked at the evidence and I, I went from being a hard sell to uh to to say, okay, you know, this is something so the conclusion tonight on the Loretta Fuddy ostensible death wanna just uh, welcome everyone listening through Global Star Radio as well. Thank you for uh, listening through Global Star. And uh, thank Global Star. Thank you, Global Star, for everything that you do. They make this show possible. Portions of broadcast brought to you by Casper Mattress. Oh, am I excited about this? Casper is a sleep brand that created one perfect mattress and sold directly to consumers. Eliminated that old commission drawn inflated prices in the, uh, it's award winning sleep service. It was developed in house. It's got a sleep design. It's delivered in a small, hey, how did you do that kind of box? In addition to that mattress, to the mattress itself, Casper also offers an adaptive pillow and soft breathable sheets. The Hagman family uses We sleep on the Casper mattress. We use the sheets. And now, guess what? Go to Casper.com slash CFP radio. Go there. Go there. Do you have a dog? Anyone? We have a dog. You got to go to Casper.com slash CFP radio. That's Casper.com slash CFP radio. The reason I'm saying that is if you have a dog, they just came out with a brand new dog mattress. Oh, a dog bed. It's fabulous. That's Casper.com slash CFB radio. Casper.com slash CFB radio. More on that later. Um, we, Joe, we, we got a special treat too. We were talking right before the program. We're trying something new out. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, we are. What we,
2: uh, have been working towards and planning on doing is when we bring guests on is to be able to not only bring their them on through audio so people can hear them across Global Star and Vlog Talk Radio as well as YouTube. But when you're watching on YouTube, you only get the audio of the guest. So what we're trying to do now, and Eric's very close to figuring out from working very hard on how to bring the video of the guest along with the audio. You know, which would be a big improvement as we do interviews, being able to see one another. And uh look at the person we're interviewing, their facial expressions, uh, how they present their cel- themselves. um themselves. It, it's a great addition, especially to a video venue uh from the radio show.
1: Yeah, I gotta tell you So if, if this we're works, test piloting something tonight. the The, the actual computer, as as I've said before, the actual computer to get this done is like the price of a car. <laughs> okay, seriously, the the it requires a computer unless you're talking about my car. <laughs> well, in that case, yeah. I'm just kidding. Uh, but, but folks, seriously, uh, the, the computer that we need to get this done to take us to an entirely new level of, uh, broadcasting is the price of a car. So I, when I was in the studio and I, I heard, uh, Rob's in the, my office and it's by it's adjacent to the studio and I hear this rustling in, in the studio. I'm thinking, well, what the heck's going on? So I came out and, and here's Eric. He's got his, baseball cap on backwards he's got you know his, his work boots on with, with his uh shorts and his legs are sticking out from underneath the desk and he's got wires everywhere i thought he was i thought he was making an ied man i, I didn't know what was going on here and the way he looks with his face he, double concern oh yeah you know uh, but anyway <laughs> he hasn't shaven since 1999 So I said, Hey, Haji, what what what, what are you doing? And he said, No, you know, I think I got an idea. Maybe we can at least get, get a system to work uh, while we're, you know, saving money for that, uh, for that computer. So to try it out, uh, we have from our south, from our southernmost office in the United States, Zika capital of
2: the world,
1: Zika vaccinated man, JD. From NeptuneDiaries.com, that's JD. Uh, JD from NeptuneDiaries.com. JD is on. Uh, let's let's push the button. See if he can come on. Hey, all right. Does it work? Can you guys see me?
2: Uh, we have is a short on? delay on our yeah. video screen, so we won't know for about so twenty seconds.
1: Him. I can see him on Eric's uh, 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 equipment there. JD, uh, thanks for coming on. Now, before the show, we were talking about a number of different things about Hillary Clinton. Ooh, ooh, ooh. My goodness. Uh, first of all, do you think he... Do you, there's rumblings, rumblings that she's not going to... Uh, she won't be debating Trump. Uh, I, I'm hearing rumblings of that. What's going on with uh,
0: Hillary? That would just be a very big disappointment for me. I want to see that so bad. It's like the movie that I want to see, you know? It's the new new installment of Star Wars for me. I've suddenly become a political aficionado. So that will be a disappointment, Doug. But... You know, with the things that are going on right now, I mean, I posted a video uh, on Hagman Report this morning. They're doing all sorts of CGI video stuff, stuff that I would do, uh, and they're playing a game. So I don't, re- I don't really know. I-, I actually don't know what to believe anymore. As every day goes by, I feel like I'm in the Matrix.
1: Okay, well, I, I, I do have a question. I, I was talking to Ted Broer about this as well. You, you, s- you mentioned earlier, and-, and this is amazing. Uh, that video clip and it's on your video, I think HagmanReport.com dot uh, com, just or Hagman and Hagman dot com. It's on our YouTube site. But the guy with the cell phone holding it up and uh, taping, videotaping Hillary, right? But and, and you can see the back, or you can see the picture part of his cell phone, and
0: no Hillary. <laughs> I mean, well, not only that, but there was a whole another one where somebody was with their cell phone, videoing everybody else with their cell phones, and nothing was. Uh, on screen it was just the I mean it's so virtual sci-fi reality now I don't know I mean I just don't know I don't know I mean the Obama stuff some of the Obama stuff looks like CGI to me I mean I just I really don't know but I'll tell you what uh, it's that whole power given to you know the image of the beast thing I mean that's where we're at guys absolutely and you know one one thing that we have
2: seen that has been proven is the cgi effects on the crowds making it appear during hillary rallies that there are thousands of people in the crowds uh from the positioning of green screens and the way that they uh you know seat the audience of a few hundred that are there and then they go and take these pictures that are computer generated showing that she has thousands of supporters in the arena And they post these as, you know, the pictures of the rallies and whatnot. And then I I did stumble across and watched a few of the videos that pertain to basically her being invisible. People are wondering if the event, if this wasn't just, you know, pieces put together from past events and, you know, a uh, basic, you know, walk through with Clinton to make it look like she's at this event. And with so few people in attendance at her events, it's going to be hard to find anybody who is there. Um, you know, minus reporters who are coming for her anyway. But I believe you are uh, exactly writing on to something that this new generation of Hollywood, because of Hollywood and the CIA's work with Hollywood, they really could fake any event on TV and make it look real. And most people uh, would not question it.
0: I agree. I mean,. I am legitimately flipped out that you know I mean it's one thing to have people running around like you know with the 911 stuff people have said to me uh those planes weren't there you know uh You know, that was CGI and there's been a bunch of conspiracy theories about that. Well, I can put that to rest because for sure there was a plane that smashed into the building. Uh, I saw the second one hands down. So so maybe that is a little stretch for me. But see, then we get into that whole Project Bluebeam thing, right? So what if, can you imagine if in fact that was a CGI plane that they were like, you know, sending through the air so that all these different video cameras could actually have caught that. You know, maybe maybe it was an explosion. I just don't even know anymore. I mean, legitimately, fellas, I was looking through the you know, my camera lens when I when I saw the plane hit. And if they are blue beaming this stuff, we are we are so we are screwed. Sorry. Yeah. And one
2: of the things you and me have talked about this in, in the past that so many people believe that those planes that, uh, hit not, um, the Twin Towers on 9 11 were holograms, uh, some in part because they saw the explosion and not the second plane come in. But you, as you said, were there. You captured the plane come through with your, through your camera lens. So in your, uh, eyewitness account, it's as real as I mean anything else you see in the real world, correct?
0: Yeah, actually, the, the the crazy part about it is is it was actually unreal, right? So it literally, but because we live in such a weird, you know what it felt like? It felt like being at Disney when I was at the movie park and they were showing uh, how they do stunts and stuff, and they were explosion exploding things. That's what it felt like. It literally, it didn't seem real. So when they like true terrorism, it's what's happening now, right? Like, uh, there's another thing that just happened in South Beach where there's a guy right two blocks from me running around with a mask on, uh, you know, on the top of an apartment building on a balcony with, with an AK-47, and the cops raided it. But you don't hear about that on the mainstream media.
2: I did see that. So, the, the photographs uh, from the, the perch where he was, uh, yeah, a sniper that's rifle. two blocks or, from me. Yeah.
0: Yep. Two blocks. So so I can tell you this. I, for sure. Now, listen right down the block from where i live i have all you know pakistani guys who are my friends who you know work in the convenience stores and hardy har har like you know the vice president but it's true they they own a whole bunch of convenience stores and they're i witness to these guys i go in i give them bibles i tell them about jesus uh they're they're like nominal muslim guys right but i can tell you this in all of South Beach and the upper levels where the money's being spent at these really nice, uh, you know, new condominiums and stuff like that, you've got packs, and I mean literally packs, of guys between the ages of 18 to 35, all dressed and cool in their American-style stuff, you know, trying to blend in. So, it's not surprising to me. This is a hugely touristed area, and so... uh you know, terrorism's on the way. That was evidenced by Orlando. I definitely think that, that, you know, we're in for some rough rough sailing ahead for sure. The real terrorism, the kind of terrorism that that makes you not want to go to the grocery store, not the kind that's like, you know, two huge buildings that are iconic falling down before your eyes like it's a movie, right?
1: Interesting, interesting distinction you just made there because a lot of people, especially now, 15 years post 9-11, don't... Um don't look at the Twin Towers at, at New York City, Ground Zero, at Pittsburgh, and the Pentagon as, you're right, uh, terrorism. Uh, at least not in the manner, the terrorism, not in the way that, that they would be affected um, because of the iconic nature of, of the buildings, specifically the Pentagon and, and the Twin Towers. Now, on the other hand, what happened uh, in New York City with that bomb on uh, Saturday? That's different, as was the uh, race in New Jersey. Much different. You're right. It's a um, difference. Uh, oh, there's a distinct difference there. So you're right. Uh, l- let me ask you this. Uh, now you've been watching this. You've been making, uh, doing videos on this. You've been doing commentaries on this, JD. Let me ask you about what do you see happening with the elections? Um.
0: This is this so some. I mean, personally, I'm having some hey, fun. Uh, hey, JD, hey, 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 one we, on second. We're getting some real nasty uh, I, uh, feedback.
1: Let's get a let's get a sit rep from Eric. Uh, are, are we burning the uh, burning the processors? No, uh, it's just your
0: mic. Here. All right, is oh, that better? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That happens sometimes. Sorry about that. Ah, uh, the election. I'm very excited. I've never, I've never seen anything quite like this. So. You know, four years ago with, with, you know, Mitt Romney and all that, that was a lot of fun for me to watch. It was sort of, I believe in, at that time, people were just starting to really come, become aware of everything that was going on, uh, in the Illuminati conspiracy world. That really came online. Uh, and now, I think that it's so mainstream to a degree, um, people are seeing right, right through stuff. So with Trump, it's an interesting thing to watch because I don't know what I what what to think anymore because on one hand I believe that God could literally have set Trump apart and have spared him and saved him for such a time as this. But at the same time I can totally see that he didn't do that and that, you know, he's still using him but that Trump is just the ultimate insider. So all I know is this is when if these people with badges didn't want Trump where he is, all they would have to do is say uh, here you go folks we have a search warrant and we found some terrible things in Donald Trump's house
2: there are a number of ways that they can tear this candidate down, Uh, I for one believe you know, uh, the scenario you just laid out uh, is less plausible, I believe in their grand fashion that they would like something more spectacular from, you know the cia's heart attack gun to a public assassination to um I mean, I mean there's there's just a number of possibilities but one thing is for sure the media has done any and everything they can to shield hillary clinton from all the not only the scandals that she's accumulated as uh from the beginning of her political life, her political life all the way back to being a lawyer in arkansas And they've shielded her through all her her mistakes that led to Americans dying in Benghazi, the uh, availability of espionage due to the unsecure nature of her email server, to the lies that she's told the American people. I mean, I think this person, I mean, we, we look at Obama as being lawless and a liar. You know, you want your doctor, you can keep your doctor, and just all these things he's promised, everything is the opposite. And it's the same way, if not worse, with Hillary Clinton, even to the point where she takes uh, talking points about, that, that criticized herself, like the pay to play scandal, and turns it around into a headline against Trump. Oh, Trump's pay to play, uh, you know, situation. And she's done this with a lot of these issues including the foundation, Trump's foundation, and, yeah, and the charity issue. She's bringing up issues about Trump paying off a quarter million dollar (laughs) legal debt with charities when she stole, you know, a billion dollars from the people of Haiti and the relief funds that came after that big earthquake when most of America chipped in to help rebuild Haiti.
0: Yes. Now, what's fun for me, right, is is this, simply this, right? I figured out if I watch television, right, I start to literally feel hatred. Mm Mm-hmm. And so now, uh, I have, I, I, I got over that. Now what I do is when I watch this, I just watch it knowing what the outcome of all this stuff is. And I have realized that if, if the TV can literally broadcast these signals and show me these things that I don't know if they're real or not and I can feel hate, then I need to really watch out. Yep. And so I, I have absolutely cut back, uh, on a lot of my media intake in that regard. However, I can tell you this, that it's funny to me to watch them scrambling because I believe that the Father is, like, thwarting things as they go along, you know, to to serve his purpose. And so I just think it's great. I I, I love watching these people make their plans and watching them just come to naught because, fellas, I have to tell you this. I mean, I really do believe that we're literally on the precipice of everything that we've ever thought about happening. I think mm-hmm. we're right there. We're in bizarre world. Evil has become good, good has become evil. The gays came out of the closet and they said it's not a it's not a mental disorder and now the Christians have been stuffed into the closet and they're saying Christianity is a disorder, so you, that's coming down the pipe oh, right? yeah. they're making, they're making us look like the kooky ones, so look at there's been a total role reversal it's unbelievable
2: through the violence of Islam they're also using that to lump in Christians and say, you know, look at the violence that Christians have committed, even uh, quoting you know uh, times from the medieval times from the Catholic inquisitions, trying to tie that into you know uh, the Ooh. the history of Christian violence. And what they're doing is trying to give people such a bad taste in their mouth for religion that it won't matter if you're Buddhist, if you're uh, Muslim, if you're Jewish, or Christian. They want to do away with religion once and for all. And even the New Age writers have said as much that they're going to have to remove or... Join all the religions together in a one-world religion type movement mm-hmm. that removes Jesus from uh, salvation role, and you know basically props man up as a savior, and that man would be the coming Antichrist. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, in the, his place, in the meantime, they will uh, make do with what they have. But th- that is the goal. Not only Christian religion, all religions are out, and I think that's one of the the key planks for this rise of ISIS and you know the radical. Um, uh, jihadi that we see.
0: Mm. And this ties in with Heiser thing What you just talked about how they're trying to form this one world religion. So you guys had on Dr. Michael Heiser mm-hmm. uh, and his and, book, The Unseen Realm. And basically, when he talked about how they took certain things out of the Bible, right? They took certain things out of the Bible. Well, one of the things that they took out of the Bible, you know, when when Jesus... Uh, says the Lord's Prayer, and he teaches us how to pray, he said, hallowed be thy name. And if you think, what is his name? People will sit there and go, whoa. (laughs) That's right. Not really sure. So I can tell you why they switched that out, why this, because, you know, their plans go for hundreds of years. They don't have these plans that are like two weeks out, They're, they're, they're long term. So what they thought was, hey... If the goal is to have a one world religion at the end of this, what we'll do is we'll take out the name of, of God, which is YHVH or Y, you know, Yahweh, Yahuwah you know, what, Jehovah, whatever you choose, but they took it out, right? YHBH, they swapped it with capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. They did that over 6,000 times. Why did they genericize the Father's name? I'll tell you why. Because now the Pope is trying to do this one-world government, right? If he tried to bring the Muslims to the table and said, oh, we all worship the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac, right? the muslim and they and then he said his name is Yahweh the muslims would go not a chance Not a chance, but since it's Lord and it's been generic, you know, it's a generic name, they can buy into that. So, you know, there are conspiracies upon conspiracies upon conspiracies. So it's all fun, but back to the whole Christianity being put in the closet and being a mental defect, just wait till it comes out that we actually believe in, you know, angels coming down and having sex with women and creating giants. I mean, you know, they're going to come for us with straitjackets. It's going to, and then we're going to be like with the guns and it's going to be like these crazy kooky gun people that believe. Believe in, you know, the craziest stuff ever. But bring yeah, it on, baby. Cling Let's to go. guns
2: and religion, as Obama said in the '08 campaign. Thanks. And you're right. Uh, you know, Christians definitely need to stand firm in their faith and uh, be ready for the oppression, persecution that is going to obliterate the freedom of speech in the religious realm uh, for good, and it is coming. Well, J.D., it's been great. Uh, yeah, thank man, you for testing our, our equipment, seeing how it works, as well as adding your insight Hang on to the...
1: Before we let you go,
0: uh, Blessed Day Ever T-shirts. Blessed Day Ever. Blessed Day Ever. Where, where to get them? Yeah, dot com. That's one of my little projects. Well, the way that I see it is this. I see in South Beach people running around with their T-shirts, and they've got, you know, Ralph Lauren or, or Skull and Bones or whatever. They've got all this devil stuff on their T-shirts. And I thought, what an easy way to preach the gospel. Get the gospel out without, you know, literally put it on your T-shirts.
2: Absolutely. Thanks, brother. Be the walking advertisement for
1: blessed Jesus Christ day and the gospel. All right. But we, you know what, Joe? We've got such a great crew, staff family thanks buddy really appreciate thanks, it thanks
0: guys bless you god bless you guys All god right. bless you listeners take care
1: thanks jd gotcha we will be right
2: back with our second installment with rex the aviation uh, expert dealing with the loretta fuddy death
1: good on stuff mysterious
2: up. plane crash on december eleventh, 2013 part two right after this
1: Exposing the playbook of the globalists, exposing or deconstructing, conducting a postmortem, giving you the anatomy of a lie. Very pleased to bring forth a, an investigator. I'm going to say an investigator because uh, I have read investigative reports that don't even come close to what we're about to see. Uh, yesterday, if you, if you haven't done so already, catch, uh, get, get the background on the strange death of Loretta Fuddy from yesterday. Rex was our guest. He's rejoining us now, making the case, presenting to you, I should say, evidence that everything we know with respect to this situation is a lie. And it's not just a lie but a contemptible lie for cause, the cause being they want, well, they had to get rid of the, had to get the gatekeeper of Obama's, Long form birth certificate out of the picture. The reason being, of course, is the smoking gun that it is. It it gives you uh, insight into who this man is and the lie that's been perpetuated upon the American people. And this is, uh, folks, this the bigger picture here. i just keep in mind the bigger picture. We're, we're going to go through the minutia or the details of the event, the uh, consequences or, or result of the investigation. But but uh, keep in mind always the bigger picture. The bigger picture is to the takedown of this country, and this is what we're witnessing. Without any further ado, we're going to bring on Rex for a continuation of our jury, um, appeal, uh, appealing to the jury, or presenting to you, the jury, a case that uh, outlines the strange death, ostensible death of Laura Foddy. Rex, thanks for rejoining us uh, tonight, sir. Good evening, Doug. It's good to be with you again. Yeah. Well, we left off yesterday. It was kind of it, you, you toss a lot of information our way and I got a ton of emails. I mean just the pages above well, pages of emails saying hey, you better bring them back. And, and not only that, um, uh, make sure you have a food tester <laughs> for 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 Rex. And and of course, uh, you're back. Another food tester is up to you. Uh, of course, uh, making a light of the situation. But uh but thanks for coming back and uh Where do we go? Where do we start here? Uh, Since you're in the first seat, shall we say, in the courtroom, where do we start?
3: Well, I thought uh, we might leave aside the things we talked about last night and go on to some other things. Um, You're very good at recapping things, and I know you've uh, already had some of your program already, but uh, I thought we might continue this evening with uh, Image 55, which is... uh, a depiction of the Kalopapa area, and that's very unique. Kalopapa was a historically secluded leper colony since nineteen or eighteen sixty-six, and it's a place you don't usually go. That is, you need permission, and the Hawaii Department of Health controls the permissions, and those just aren't given out to anybody. Everyone that comes there has to have that. They don't have. Uh, rental of motorized vehicles the only thing that you can rent if you want to tour there is a mule or just hike and they don't have overnight tourist stays everything is guided tour only but as far as the water that uh, this airplane crashed into that's also very unique in as much as there are very shallow areas and pools that uh, are inset Within shallow areas. So if you're videoing what might be going on and you have experience with uh, Hollywood stages and television programs, as some of these players in our scenario did or do, uh, you could use this, for example, to f- be filming underwater where it appears to be 25 feet deep and then someone could be standing on a ledge just a a stroke or two away and take a rest as uh, one stood on a very shallow area. And if you go to the um, image B2, we could look there and we could see some of the uh, bathymetric map, they call it. And uh, that bathymetric map shows this area where the plane went down the salver president says it was 200 to 300 yards from shore and it's depicted on that bathymetric map as a little yellow, I'm sorry, green segment and uh, the numbers are there in meters and we note very close to that yellow little segment that's there there's a little circle and a one that means very near to where they put the aircraft down. There was an area that was only one meter deep. In other words, three feet deep. So if you do that, if you land an airplane on such a shallow area, well, it's nothing like the open ocean. In fact, you might hit something on the ground on the ocean floor. And there's a lot of evidence that suggests that's exactly what happened and um, we'll talk about that as it comes along. But uh, it's not just your average open ocean area, and that was uh, unique with what the NTSB report suggested, that is, that this aircraft crashed into the open ocean, but it wasn't at all. And it uh, the report suggested, the NTSB report, suggested that uh, the pilot had rolled the wings flat and that he had either a flat or a nose-high attitude of the aircraft. But that turns out not to be the case. That is, the evidence contradicts that entirely. And if you're able to pull up the image B1, we can see the very last frame before the aircraft
1: impacts the water. We we just have numeric uh, values assigned to each image. I'm looking, okay. I'm looking at the... Some of the,
3: the higher-numbered ones. In fact, it's one of the highest-numbered ones. Okay. IB1, um, can you find that? It,
1: okay, hey, hang on. The
3: There's name somebody. of it starts with IB1.
1: Okay, I'm going to get to... Eric's helping me here, so... Okay. All right, so... Well,
3: good. let me describe oh, it, ahead. and hopefully we'll be able to bring it up soon, or deal with it later. In any event, that's the last frame of the crash video. That is the second portion. It was a takeoff video and a crash video. And this is the last frame before the craft hits the water. And we can see very clearly that the NTSB report somehow got it wrong. That is, the aircraft is clearly in a very... Well, we'll call it a somewhat gentle left bank, and the aircraft is nose low. And, um, that will make up, make for a, as one of the passengers would later say, an abrupt stop. That is, the, uh, slowing down, um, and possibly impacting the ocean floor, uh, was somehow worthy of the words abrupt stop. So, those things aren't really surprising at all when you uh, look at that bathymetric map again that we just uh, looked at. However, if we look at the FAA report that came out or that was uh, uh, that recites what the pilot and others said to the FAA, uh, the representation was that, and it apparently came either from the pilot or the uh, commuter airline owner. Um though it's not attribute, attributed. It must have been, however, one of those two because it came the evening of the crash. But in any event, um, the representation by one of those two or both was that the aircraft was thought to lie between 400 and 1,000 feet down. And it would seem that that representation accepted, apparently, by the FAA, caused them uh, not to send a representative to the crash site. So, neither the FAA nor the NTSB uh, sent a representative to inspect the crash site. And uh, the FAA's incident accident report claims that the area was inaccessible. Though, if we consider that information on the bathymetric, bathymetric maps, um, it should have been entirely accessible, and in fact, there's, a, um, there's an image that occurred. If we can go to image 08, an image appeared yeah. on the internet um, within two days of the crash, and it appears to show a craft that's sitting uh, just maybe 10, 15, 20 feet below the surface and let me credit the pilotlaw.com people for that image. But uh, anyway, it would be inexplicable why someone would come up with the idea that that plane was 400 to 1,000 feet down. I don't don't know exactly whose it was, but it certainly seems not to be correct, especially when we know the position on the surface that is, is just... 200 to 300 feet from shore, as represented by the person who, in fact, uh, was in charge of the group that lifted the wreckage from the ocean floor. And that uh, we'll see more of that. Of but course. in any event, am I still with you?
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and okay. essentially, what you're saying is the depth of the water was uh, not much. I mean, it certainly was not a thousand feet deep and no.
3: you know, hundreds of feet and deep. It, it
1: was, yeah.
3: That area is entirely encircled by a line, um, a constant depth line, that uh, represents 10 meters, in other words, 33 feet. So uh, you'd have to believe, and if you look at image 56, by the way, we'll see uh, an enhanced satellite view, and on that satellite view is a depiction to the very right side of where the aircraft approximately came down and um, you see very shallow areas, and you see the deeper blue pools. And that was uh, a reference that I made just a few minutes ago about uh, what one could do with videography, that is, you could show what might be a 28-foot pool, and right along the edge of that, a person should be able to stand, especially since the plane had that uh, area that had uh, was just apparently one meter deep, so there are indeed um, outcroppings on the of the ocean floor, and we see that uh, burbling water um, below the depiction of the aircraft. If you're looking at image fifty-six, so it uh, had a lot of characteristics that were very different from what one would call an open ocean.
1: Okay. All right. So, so the conditions under or where this smaller aircraft went down carrying Loretta Fuddy and eight others misrepresented misrepresented in the media, misrepresented everywhere. All
3: right. Yeah. And if we can move to image 50, 58, uh, we see the plane um, in that area, and we see apparently people standing. Uh, Just um, below the tail, um, one of the passengers there in the upper left image uh, appears not to be supported by anything other than, well, he's got 12 to 18 inches of his torso or body and head out of the water. And there's another depiction of another passenger just below that who without a life jacket has almost half his body out of the water.
1: Th- that and, made me uh, do a double take. That one, yeah. of all of the images, folks, if you're looking at this via YouTube, take a look at this because this astounded me when, you know, you know how you look at something and you, you, you know what you're seeing, but you really, you're not paying attention. It doesn't compute. That's, that image right there really got me.
3: Hmm. Well, I'm going to say that uh, there was an image recently within the last week or two. Uh, of refugees floating in the water and it had this very identical characteristic that is the image had been cropped so that it appeared everyone was uh, floating in who knows deep water but if one looked at the uncropped image which also someone had it it showed that uh, many of the people were standing in two and three and four feet deep water Mm -hmm. so this is kind of an audacious outrageous thing that's done again and again and found in the media. But anyway, we, we digress right. and move on. Let me just say that those two people appear to be standing in almost the identical spot. So maybe there was some little outcropping right there. But in the larger picture, if you look at the airplane and you look, say, at that open door where one guy is uh, hanging onto the uh, little ladder railing and the on top is open, if you look at the window just beyond that on the far side of the airplane versus the window on the near side, you see that the airplane is actually listing to the right and we see vis-a-vis the horizon, a little forward of the aircraft, that is the water is well below the port wing and that means the the port wing is literally out of the water which is verified by those visual characteristics. And the right wing is down. So um, one has to ask, how could that possibly be? Well, it would be a whole long discussion in terms of uh, possible pontoon effects and so forth, but the long and the short is I passed all that information by a physics professor, and he agreed that uh, it very much appears that there must have been some uh, something holding up perhaps the left main gear of that airplane. But we'll we'll go on beyond that since there's not really time here. But if we move to the next image uh, which will be 66
1: maybe we can move to 66. Okay. Alright. Th- that would be the uh, earlier and later picture? or
3: Yes, exactly that. Okay. And we see the pattern of uh, the water against the shoreline and so forth. We know that the tide was ebbing at that point in time, and it appears that the picture on the right was approximately 20 to 30 minutes later than the one on the left. And we see some visual aspects, but the plane appears to be in essentially the identical spot as it was in the left picture. And if we look at that aircraft on the right picture, which is on the left end of the red line segment, we can look and see that that wing, that left wing is indeed out of the water. So we have another confirmation of uh, what happened there, that there might well have been something very shallow, which caused the abrupt stop, which lifted that left wing. And we also know a fact that one of the passengers' seats uh which then that seat was very close to the left uh main gear attach point, so that would have indeed if it if the aircraft did indeed hit something on the ocean floor it would have borne the brunt of the force of that uh slowing down or stoppage kind of thing, and that uh Aspects of that seat broke loose from the floor and threw the passenger to the floor. That's the only seat in the entire place that had that effect. And, uh, that person had to be, uh, well, that person was rather severely injured with a, uh, with several cracked ribs and a split sternum. So there's a lot of aspects that support the idea that they, this aircraft, uh, hit the ocean floor and more or less stayed there. As you'd expect, that once you hit the ocean floor, it's not easy to move. But if we, pardon,
1: okay, no, I I, I completely understood. Yeah, all right. Yeah,
3: if we can move to image seventy-six, we'll see um, what we call diver activity.
1: Passenger passenger J and friends. Passenger J and friends high diver activity. Okay. Yeah,
3: this uh, one of the passengers, whose initial is J, is repeatedly seen in front of or juxtaposed between the camera lens and things that are going on that just might be interesting. And we can see in the upper left picture that person is seated on top of the wing, which is also a very unusual place to be. But anyway, just... Ahead of that point or on the opposite side of that person are the two images to the right of that, and what appears to be happening there is some kind of equipment is being unfolded on the wing, just behind where that person was. In fact, the three people there all seem to be kind of uh, put in a a picturesque tableau, uh, maybe just to obstruct things. Uh, and we can say that because it occurs so many times, that same a male passenger is uh, juxtaposed between things that are interestingly going on uh, many times with uh, Loretta Fuddy. But uh, the images of those that what I've called diver equipment unfolding on the wing; those are things that just should not be there. That is, no passenger would have. Had baggage that just conveniently would would be unfolded onto the wing like that. That's just amazing stuff. And the long and the short is we're going to see evidence again and again and again of military diver equipment. These are things that just do not belong in this scenario. Ooh, this and if we can amazing. back up to sure, if Go we ahead. can back up to image seventy two we'll see more things in the scenario that are just not supposed to be there. If we look in the lower right images in the lower middle picture, we see images of what appears to be some kind of electronic device, obviously waterproofed, and what uh, you might even call them electronic fish. But uh, they have some kind of antenna as... Uh, as their tail, in place of their tail, and those antennae are two different lengths, which to an electronics person says, aha, antenna, Uh, transmit, receive frequencies. Yes, yes, yes. The conjecture would be, not without a lot of support, frankly, is that these may well have been part of an underwater network, a communications network, to relay signals and uh, this is a known problem that is if you want to communicate underwater, uh, electronic equipment just doesn't go nearly as far as it does above water. And so you'd need this kind of equipment to uh, build up a chain of communication, kind of like a fire brigade, to uh, be able to establish a long distance network. And that's uh, indeed very likely to have occurred. We see other, antenna-like equipment elsewhere, too. We'll right. mention that when it comes up. But anyway, other things in the scenario, we look at the videographer in the upper right, and he's got what appears to be kind of an iPod uh, earpiece. He's only listening uh, in mono. And the question would be, to what is he listening and why? But if one scours, as I have, the entire audio of this less than 19-minute scenario, there is not one instance where he's testing or checking the volume, for example. There's nothing in there that suggests he's um, managing his video or audio recording, and all of that taken together, is pretty unusual.
1: You know what, so, Rex, i, I got I to tell you, I, I cannot think of any instance, if I'm just... You know, if I just hit the water in a small plane, and I'm out there as this allegedly is taking place, I can't think of any any instance where I'd be listening to an iPad, iPod, or phone, or you know, yeah. any kind of audio. I just, uh, folks, am I wrong in this, or, or I don't know.
3: Well, okay. we're going to get we're going to cut to the quick and say that there's a lot of evidence of military trained divers in this scenario, and we know by our relationship with people who have done this kind of thing, that they stay in communication with each other. And it would be very appropriate for people who are managing the scenario to be in communication. So that would have to stand as a very likely possibility. In any event, let me move on, and we'll come to similar okay. things later. That is, in the upper left picture, there's a guy who... Just happens to have been an Army Green Beret. And he's got something there in front of him which doesn't really look like it fit in the seat back or seat underneath uh, in front of him. Um, it's hard to imagine where it might have come from. So that's kind of the question, what would that be? Similarly, there's another black arrow just uh, to his left, which appears to be the only piece of baggage-like thing that has stayed near the airplane. Now, many of the passengers reported there were currents and high winds and white caps and everything, and somehow this piece stays right there. It doesn't get whisked away by the currents. It doesn't get blown away. It doesn't get washed away by any white caps. It stays around. So it's amazing about uh what that could possibly be. We'll come back to that. The lower left picture there shows um the Hawaii Department of Health Deputy Director, who was obviously Fuddy's assistant, and he's watching closely over her. However, it's very curious that she's holding on to something by her left hand, apparently there, and uh it appears to be red uh. Red is also called port, and that's very much a marine term. So something on one's left hand that is also colored red is an interesting uh, marine concept, which I'm sure um, doesn't escape a lot of people's attention. But anyway, we can move on to other things. And that would be, let's, wow. let's just move on to the next one called there's I-73, the bag. Since we brought it up, there's an image of the bag. And uh, we see it in several places. It, as I say, it stays there underneath the tail for minutes until someone begins touching it and doing things with it. But I want to point out that in these successive pictures, the image of the bag changes. That is, it changes shape. It's not a rigid thing, even though it, uh, in the first image that is in the upper left, it appears to be about eighty percent out of the water. That is, it's Rex. not a heavy bag. It's a mile floats.
2: Let's yes. pick this up on the other side, since we're up against okay. the break and you just started getting into this one. Uh, this okay. is right where we'll pick up on the other side, folks. You're listening to off. Rex A. Uh, uh, I mean, aviation
1: expert, computer expert, and a guy that just ripped through this investigation.
2: Has put together a, a fantastic investigation with visual uh, help as well if you're watching on YouTube. This is part two of our two part installment with Rex. We'll be back right after this. this hour pertaining to the strange death of loretta fuddy the obama birth certificate gatekeeper and rex has put together some incredible investigative findings uh the product of countless years of research and we're going through these now folks if you are listening only on uh, archive or on audio only go to our youtube channel and find the shows that we have done with rex Um, There are two parts, and you can see all the visual images there uh, to go along with what you're hearing on the radio. With that, let's get right back to Rex and what we were talking about just before the break.
3: Okay, thank you. We were looking at a slide called the bag, and that bag seems to change shape. It starts out floating very high atop the water as if it's not heavy and it changes shape in every frame subsequent to that. So we're looking from the upper left to the upper right to the lower left and the lower right, and we see there's a constant change in the shape of this um, bag, which might be some kind of uh, passenger baggage, it would appear, but we learn that it's really not that at all. The lower left image with that, elderly gentleman who appears to have very, uh, uh, has blonde hair. Uh, He has his right hand on what has become the shape of the bag. In his left hand, he's holding at his chest another PFD still in its container. But as we go to the next slide, we'll see subsequent images on that left column, leftmost column, Uh, one very much like the, just one ahead, that is with the elderly gentleman's holding the bag at that point, and his left hand holding the PFD. Then all of those pictures, the four pictures below, are subsequent frames where the bag is continually changing shape, and we see different portions of it above water. Now, in the right image, we have that same Army Green, Green Beret guy. And uh, the elderly gentleman with the blonde hair was a book author. But in his book, he claims that the image of the Army Green Beret guy was actually the book author. And we know that wasn't the case, but he claims that was the book author, and he was bringing his wife, who is along the wing, that next female person there, just to the left of the guy sitting on the wing. Uh, and he said he was bringing her her life jacket well we watch the video and we see that that was neither that elderly gentleman but the green beret guy swims away from the wing and doesn't have an extra personal flotation device and doesn't give anything to that uh, lady along the wing so perhaps that was just an innocent mistake however there's a lot to be said beyond that that's more than just coincidence, if we move to image 75, we see firstly the same column on the left, but the next column over to the right shows at the top um, this elderly gentleman's wife literally strapping on something, and that is the bag as it's changed shape and taken on a very unique visual aspect that is, it would appear that it has an 18-inch phallus on it, and uh, that's quite something to pull out of a bag. And we see those top two pictures, after she's strapped it on, she's taken kind of a sitting position in the water, and that uh, phallus shape uh, is held above the water. In the two lowest pictures we see, that's sitting above the water as she's moving along for the next almost probably 35, 40 minutes, something like that. Now, when one has a shape like that and one is holding it above the water, um, electronics people say, ooh, maybe that's an antenna. Could be, communications antenna held above the water line. Well, that's a very good chance, frankly and uh, certainly it also doubles as her personal flotation device. It's keeping her up in the water. So that appears to be what the purpose of that bag was, Um, communications and the PFD for this lady who otherwise didn't have it. So we see on the pictures on the right, particularly in the third row, the top two, and the one at the far right that's very tall vertically, that this bag uh, is with this elderly lady, the wife of the other elderly gentleman, uh, stays with her for most of the scenario. But uh, those two lower horizontal images in uh, the third row marked NTSB 749 and 827, we see the so-called changeover event that we talked about in the first segment, that is, At the very same time that Fuddy is replaced by a military trained diver with a red wig and is over six foot tall and appears to be something in the 160 to 170 pound range, at the very moment that happens, um, this lady, the elderly lady, gives up her special personal flotation device. And now she's been given uh, perhaps the very same personal flotation device that her husband was carrying on his chest for her. So that would appear to be the case, and it does show in all this sequence that that would have had to been done with foreknowledge. So that's not the only aspect of foreknowledge, but it's, as we say, yet another aspect of foreknowledge. Um, If we move on, which we can do to image 78,
1: All right. That would be... It says
3: whoopsie on the left. There it is. We hear from the people who spoke to the Maui County Police. They said they left the plane when it began to sink. And uh, elsewhere they've told said that was 25 minutes. The NTSB report uses that number as well. That is, 25 minutes after the ditching, there was apparently represented to be A ditching event or a sinking event of the airplane and the upper left picture is just before the last image one of the last frames we have before they left the airplane now if we look to the image on at right we see an image taken by the first on the scene helicopter pilot he wasn't flying his helicopter that day but he had on-scene experience with uh hawaii 50 and lost television programs. But anyway, in his lens at that moment, or that of his uh, girlfriend, uh, he's showing the airplane after the people have left. And if you look very closely at the characteristics of what's above the water and what isn't, it's almost identical. That is, there is no sinking event evident at all. So it's very curious that all the passengers that spoke to the police said that there was a sinking event and that's why they left the airplane and in fact not only did they leave the airplane at that time but they supposedly became separated from one another
1: so that's very unusual Okay, I, I have a question though how do you account for the difference in water it looks like almost like turbulence around the around the body of the aircraft what's that about is that just i mean what is that about
3: i can't say it's uh curious frankly There's no wave action that would seem to justify that. One might be tempted to think that uh, there's some Photoshopping going on there, but I don't really have
0: enough to say. It just looks out of place.
3: Yeah,
1: it just looks... It 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 perhaps
3: does look out of place, especially so violently, if you will, off the left side. Well, maybe the right side is different, but as we noted earlier, it seemed. At least earlier, the left wing was out of the water, so maybe that's part of it. Uh, It may be very innocent, and frankly, I don't think it matters at this point because uh, there's just so much evidence of other things that we don't depend anything on that. But in any event, if we look at the lower image and move to the next slide, 79, it borrows the same image below, we see something alongside the aircraft. And I've called it a green slip and slide. And um not here able to tell you exactly what it is, but my uh, conjecture is that it might be um, some transportation for these divers we've seen evidence of.
1: Yeah, that looks and like a raft.
3: especially, pardon?
1: It almost looks like a raft. Uh, you know, yeah, all a of raft green of some kind. Raft. Yeah.
3: yeah, and we see some darker figures there that we don't see elsewhere. And actually, uh, within seconds, we'll say within 10 seconds, certainly, at least as we have imagery for, the little uh, slip and slide disappears. And that's quite unusual. But one thing I didn't mention from the previous slide, you know, the level of uh, the door and the water and both the images when passengers were around it and then apparently away, The It was very low in the water, but this lower image, after the passengers have left, and we have every reason to believe it was another 25 or 30 minutes later, the aircraft is somehow higher in the water. The wings are still at the top of the water, but Hmm. the cabin of the aircraft is raised, and raised four, five, maybe even six feet out of the water compared to where it was, and that's not just conjecture, it's uh, seen in the upper three images there in sequence, which all happened, we'll say within 30 seconds of one another. Somehow, maybe all by itself, that aircraft is coming up out of the water. Do you see the sequence in that yes, we open have doorway, there. for example? It's being raised out of the water. How could that possibly happen? Please, someone tell me. (laughs) Well, how about those arrows? What are those arrows pointing at? In left and right images, there appear to be a lot of bubbles, or uh, a spray of bubbles kind of coming up. But in the middle one, the one with the red arrow, there is what you just have to call a man-made device. And it wasn't some dinghy that uh, somehow perchance crashed into the nose of that airplane. That's just beyond the realm. And we don't see it that way at all. That is, there's not a an approach of some half, uh, half-sunken half dinghy that uh, comes toward the airplane. No, not at all. It rises out of the water from that very point and goes right back down. I tell you, the evidence suggests... All of that is man-made. And it It suggests that there were people at this aircraft doing all of these things. Interesting. And uh, fortunately, it's not going to be left to a lot of conjecture because we (laughs) have a very good idea what these people were doing. But it's amazing that there are people with serious injuries out there on the water and none of them is being brought to shore by people we know are there. That is, I'm going to say, those people were not given orders to see to the needs, potentially, of these other plane occupants. They were letting them suffer with, in some cases, very serious injuries. That tells us the kind of planning that the people who set up this hoax were capable of, frankly, the, all of the. They were clearly people here, doing these things, raising that airplane out of the water, and uh, perhaps using that slip and slide for transport. We see some dark figures there. I'm not sure what they are, but there was. This is clearly human evidence. There's just no escaping it. And it's confirmed by many other things. I'm not just saying it on the basis of these images, but in the middle right picture there as well is also this bubbly spew. And it appears to be just above the cabin or at the tail end of the engine where the engine and fuselage meet, which is called the firewall. Uh, And there's a lot of support for what that might be. And we saw earlier the unfolding equipment on the wing and. I think we're going to see and probably be left with the best conjecture we could make on basis of very solid evidence that the engine is being cut off that airplane, which is an astounding thing to say, but astounding, outrageous, audacious, all of those things fit this scenario. And I don't say that on the basis of, wild-eyed conjecture. We've got a whole lot more evidence that we're going to look at.
1: Okay. And you've got a whole lot of uh, free reign tonight because I do want to get to we Joe and I want to get to the bottom of this. So, okay, so Okay. You want to take okay, which is the next should we okay. Let's
3: go to 87, on. image 87. Okay. Right. And this is an image taken uh from again the airplane, the first on the scene aircraft this uh, Hollywood-connected kind of guy uh, who's done helicopter scenes for Hawaii Five-O, And it shows, indeed, 260 yards from shore. And um, that airplane, in the slight left distance there, shortly past the rocks, is the approach end of runway five. You can almost see a five on it and uh this is a, a very calm day it's a nice warm day almost 80 degrees and since the pilot said he didn't want his passengers to hold on to the airplane um it's only reasonable that they consider going to shore because it would be nothing to hold on to anyway in the pilot's ideas but we've looked very closely at how long it would take a person to swim and the long and the short is even a beginner without a life jacket, should be able to swim that distance in seven minutes or less. And instead, all of those passengers, including the pilot, were out on that water waiting for helicopter rescue an average of 100 minutes. Who would make a choice or choices like that? It's mind-boggling. Definitely not. If we move to the next slide, 88... That's the same picture. And we see what in the world is that off to the right? It appears to be something like a conning tower sticking out of the water and seems to be leaving a wake. And not only that, beyond that, uh, to the far right is something that could well be a propulsion wake. And we know that there are swimmer delivery vehicles that would fit that very description. In fact, fit that image. That is, uh, those two lower images are depictions, one's a picture, one's a drawing, but of that very swimmer delivery vehicle. And you'll see that the conning tower type thing and the uh, periscope and another, some other kind of uh, conning tower, um some other kind of uh, scope is raised up there in the lower right picture apparently each of those is individually extensible so um that would account for exactly the image we have so we don't have confirmation of that just yet but it is something to keep in mind
1: if we look would, at uh, let, let me ask you this though the depth of the water there would that be wouldn't that prohibit a vehicle, a delivery vehicle such as this, to, to navigate in that well, area?
3: Well, that's a very a very salient and appropriate question. Uh, if we look at the bathymetry there, that exact area is about as far as it could go, just in that area, and the rest of it is even more shallow. The draft there is about 8 feet, so... Uh, there would be area there that it could slightly maneuver, but that would be about or near the end of it in terms of any closer to shore, and it would have not been able to do that. Gotcha. So it's um, it, that's a, a good place for it to be. Not much closer to shore would be what I'd say. But mm-hmm. if we uh, if we uh, well we've. Made FOIA requests, and uh, the Navy responded to that request and said there were no pack fleet ships in that area, and no ships were involved with any rescue of the people out there on on the water. Well, we didn't ask about uh, any ships that were involved with the rescue, Um, so the Navy in its response, FOIA response, used what I would call weasel words to get out of the direct question that we had posed. And that was uh, in May of 2015, but uh, about about 10 months later, and we can move to the next slide, we got two more FOIA responses, and it seems the Navy changed its tune. We had uh, made a slight wording adjustment in our request, so they were no longer able to use any weasel words, and we elicited two different responses from different branches of the Navy, and it turns out that there were Navy ships in the area. Two destroyers up there atop the USS Halsey and the USS O'Kane, both of which were able to land a helicopter, and we know that there was a Navy helicopter on scene. Uh, in this very incident. So it's conceivable, though not confirmed by anything that we've seen in writing, that uh, such a helicopter could have ferried a Fuddy who was extracted from the scene to to one or the other of those ships. So that's part of the answer. And the other is on the right. That FOIA response said... And it's uh, expanded there at the lower part, the white portion at the bottom of the frame. It says ultimately one record was found potentially responsive to your request, but some portions were classified. But they do tell us that the La Jolla, a submarine that just happens coincidentally to be outfitted to be able to deal with and carry sw- uh, swimmer delivery vehicles, was assigned to that very area that very day. And uh-huh. up until then, it had not been assigned to that area. That very uh-huh. USS La Jolla is shown on the right with uh, a dry deck shelter, an SDV, right. uh, as it is above the label USS La Jolla in green, with different uh generations, if you will, of various seal delivery or swimmer delivery vehicles. Another uh, SDV is shown there at the lower right, and that was of the very same type that we showed earlier. So what was it, 27 months after this crash, we got confirmation that uh, a craft that could very well have carried exactly what we saw on the water to this very site, they had orders to do so, that is, to be in that area.
1: Yeah, not not in that area before, right? No, this is on that very day. No, that very
3: day, indeed, only within hours of that time. But everything other than the name of the craft has been deemed classified. Now, you'd have to ask, why would that be? Well, I don't think we're going to get any further answer, frankly.
1: Well, but I'm if we go
3: to the great, very next frame, the I, I-90, i we'll see that a FOIA request came back from the U.S. Coast Guard. Now, we know uh, there were multiple coast, coast Guard vehicles, and they're arrayed there on the lower part. Uh, C-130 aircraft, that was the commander's aircraft, two Dolphin, helico- two dolphin helicopters were also on scene. We had... Uh, uh, swimmers in the water. We had pilot and co-pilot and medical personnel. So we know <laughs> in many ways and we have actually a previous FOIA request where it literally says in that under uh, orange or yellow underline, it describes which vehicles, which piloted vehicles were on scene for that particular incident. And it's just mind-boggling that uh, later the FOIA came back from the U.S. Coast Guard saying, as it it does in red in the second uh, excerpted area, in white, we are unable to locate or identify any responsive records. And we had asked for all U.S. government, Navy, to include Hawaii state government, federal government, or government contracted vehicles and piloted craft within 200 miles. And they said there were none. So that's just mind-boggling and amazing.
1: My goodness, F- folks, I mean here's Rex and his colleague doing the work of doing the investigative work that uh well, this is explosive in terms of evidence, the weight of evidence and the accumulate uh, the well, the aggregate effect that this is having. Okay. All right. You
3: Good. would hope the media would be
1: doing investigative
3: journalism. Oh, yeah. But anyway, I-35, if you could go there, it says uh, Salver, Sea Engineering's president, Pat Ross, telling us that indeed the uh, craft was 200 to 300 yards offshore and in water that was said to be 65 to 70 feet. But uh, we also have the NTSB had two representatives on, on board, apparently, saying that The craft was lifted from about 50 feet of water. So there's a little discrepancy there. There's also the representation by the uh, president there saying that the craft was found in a 100-foot debris field. Now the airplane's dimensions, roughly width and lengthwise, are each about 50 feet. So this aircraft only moved within twice its distance, twice its horizontal or whatever. So it didn't really move over a great distance. Sometimes we read of crashes being found on the ocean floor spread over thousands of feet or even miles, kilometer and so forth. But this was only a 100-foot debris field. But the pilot says something very curious. He says uh, he found the craft on the ocean floor and on the ocean floor, the, thing, the wings were found separate. The fuselage was separate. The engines were separate. And uh, and he begins to stutter from rolling on the rocks in the swell. Maybe we can pull that up as an audio, since it's so relevant right. and important. Are you able to do that?
1: We're going to we're going to try to do that. Also gather uh, regather our, our visual assets here as well. Uh, okay. Hold on, Rex. Um, wow. We're talking with the Rex about the
2: Loretta Fuddy plane crash. More with him right after this. Stay with it.
1: close attention to this loretta fuddy taken out uh, or allegedly dying in a plane crash december eleventh, 2013 it is some so much evidence to the contrary so much evidence that this incident was staged and when i say evidence i'm talking about uh, uh, rex and his colleague going through painstakingly and i mean painstakingly going through spending countless hours going through the video that was captured the, uh, filing, uh, Freedom of Information Act requests, looking at that, looking at the, all of the reports. I have got a notebook full of, uh, hard copies that, uh, I got, what, a year and a half ago. This, that folks you helped to get. And all of this is the evidence that's suggesting, no, none of this happened the way we were told now that's uh, obviously that that doesn't su- that shouldn't surprise anybody but here's the big deal to this you know there are many claims for example hillary's got a body double and look at this look at the video and, and hillary's uh, this or that or uh, pick an incident that took place and there are claims behind the incident now we've got rex and his colleague who have done this remarkable investigation the investigative work product is absolutely solid, in my view, to show that there are discrepancies—not just discrepancies, but uh, the information that doesn't uh, is not consistent with the factual accounting of, or at least their facts, as to what happened. We're going to be getting back to Rex here momentarily, I, folks. I, I'm, uh, how are you sleeping at night? Let me ask you: Do you sleep well? I know the Hagman family does, as does Lady, the studio dog. I want to tell you about Casper mattress. Casper.com forward slash CFP radio. That's Casper.com forward slash CFP radio. Just go to Hagman and Hagman.com and click on the Casper link to the Casper mattress. Casper is a sleep brand that created one perfect mattress sold directly to consumers. It eliminates they eliminate the commission driven inflated prices. It's award winning sleep surface was developed in-house. The mattress has got a beautiful sleek design and is delivered in a small, how did they do that, sized box. In addition to the mattress, Casper, folks, they've got adaptive pillow and soft, breathable sheets. And I'm so excited to let you know they also have doggy beds. Oh, you've got to go to Casper.com slash Radio to take a look at the doggy beds that they've got. That's on lady's Christmas wish list. Lady, the studio dog is on her Christmas wish list. She wrote it down, yeah. The mattress industry has forced consumers to pay notoriously high markups, folks. Casper is revolutionizing the mass mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing that savings directly to you and me. It's great. The quality is unsurpassed. They've got an in-house team of engineers who spent thousands of hours developing the Casper. It combines spring and latex and support of memory foam for a sleep surface that's got just the right sink just the right bounce it's breathable it's the, the breathable design sleeps cool to help you regulate your temperature throughout the night and the uh, one of the best things about it mattresses we know can cost well over fifteen hundred dollars but casper mattresses cost five hundred for a twin size up to nine fifty for a king you try to buy one of those at a a reseller or showroom no Casper buying a Casper mattress is completely risk free they offer free delivery free returns with a 100 night home trial if you don't love it they'll pick it up and refund you everything Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit especially considering you're going to spend a 30 year life, uh, life on it folks Casper the Casper Mattress is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. It combines springy latex and supportive foams to create this award-winning sleep surface. Just the right sink, just the right bounce. Did you know Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015? <laughs> it's an award-winning mattress that won't disappoint. Free shipping and returns to U.S. and Canada. Folks, try it, Casper. For 100 nights risk free in your own home. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. It's made in America. It's fantastic. Made in America. Casper.com slash CFP radio. That's Casper.com slash CFP radio. By the way, special listeners to our show, you get, you get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting Casper.com slash CFP radio and using CFP radio in the section where it asks for a promo code. Remember that, $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash CFPRadio and inserting CFPRadio in the promo code section, coupon code section. You can also get the Casper mattress by going to Hagman and Hagman.com or HagmanReport.com and clicking the link to a Casper. And by the way, check out their dog bets. Oh, my goodness. Ladies gonna be so happy. Let's get back to Rex, the aviation computer expert. We're talking about the crash, the well, crash in quotation marks of Loretta Funny.
2: Yeah, and Rex's investigative finding after three years and countless hours uh, building this investigation with fantastic uh, visuals. If you go to our YouTube page, and you can watch the YouTube page and follow along while you listen on Global Star. Just listen on YouTube as well. But you can get all the images through watching our YouTube feed. Let's pick up where we left off, Rex.
3: Okay. We were just listening to the president of that sour company, and he had mentioned, uh, stutteringly that, uh, the engines were separate, which is a really unusual thing to say. Uh, we were talking earlier about Hillary's body double. We saw that uh, in the scenario, we have very clear proof that uh, Loretta Fuddy was exchanged with a tall, skinny diver. Uh, you might for a moment say that was a body double, but very surprisingly, here we have an example of an engine having a body double, so that's uh, really quite something. If we go to image, are, are you able, able to play audio 19?
1: Uh, well, we can't. We cannot do it at this point. Okay. I it's no
3: big thing. We'll come to that later and have it for available for everybody. But uh, if we go to image thirty-six, we have an image of the real number, numeric serial number appropriate to that airplane. That is, this is the engine that was registered with that airplane. However, if we see those yellow arrows that's where the nose gear strut would be attached. And we have underwater imagery of the airplane after it hit the water, and it would have hit the water at um, 80 to 90 knots. That's really fast. And we have imagery to show that the nose gear strut was not even bent. It was on there to stay. However, the claim is that the uh, airplane rolled around on the rocks, uneven rocks on the ocean floor, and somehow lost its nose gear in, not only lost it, but lost it so cleanly that you don't even have the bolts there anymore to to be seen. You don't see breakage, you don't see bending, nothing. That's very clean. And even the worst storm underwater, maybe 10, 20 20 knots of of wave action, But this is a nose gear strut that just survived 80 knots of hitting the water. That's like a brick wall. It's another red flag for us aviation types, let me tell you. But if we move on to the next slide, this is what the salver brought up onto his barge. It appears to be about four seats, a wing, a third of the fuselage, not much else identifiable. Uh, You do see a landing gear there, and somewhere we're going to see that engine again, but it doesn't appear to be very much of the airplane. But uh, we'll talk more about that later. Yeah, uh, uh,
1: Rex, from the aircraft being in relatively one piece to this, what did they do? I mean, detonate something? (laughs) I mean, I'm looking at this, and it just doesn't
3: Well, yes. The official story is that uneven rocks on the bottom of the ocean floor somehow took this aircraft and its engine apart. And I'd say say with all of the hoax characteristics we have, uh, we know there's a lot of lying going on, frankly. We'll get to that here momentarily. If we move on to image 39, we'll see... Again, the words of the Salver president up there. Um, But looking at another way at that engine, in those green boxes and the green arrows, we see something that uneven rocks on the ocean floor just do not have or are not able to make, and that is straight-line saw cuts. All of those pieces are the engine mount strut members, and other hoses, uh, cables, uh, those were cut by some kind of saw. They weren't mangled by some uneven rocks on the ocean floor. And this is not just one piece, this is, I counted maybe 20 or 20 or more. And that just doesn't happen by the ocean floor's wave action, let me tell you. And somehow, the FAA report didn't pick up on that. They claim it was consistent with being completely ro- repeatedly rolled over on a hard uneven surface by wave action.
1: Those are pretty and I find cuts.
3: that completely unbelievable. The yep. evidence shows completely otherwise. And we have that evidence of the spewing bubbles at just the area of the engine mating with the firewall there and it would take an, a very powerful little saw, probably a pneumatic saw, which would account for bubbles, to cut those kind of things. And we know a very favorite uh, saw, I'll advertise here for a moment, Rodex saws can do this, and they do do this all the time. It's a favorite implement of aviation types to do this very thing. Now, maybe it was another brand But I plug them, I guess. But (laughs) the long and the short is, you need a saw to do that. You cannot claim, as these people audaciously do, that somehow the ocean floor, even in a storm of 10 to 20-knot wave action, uh, somehow did this. It's just astounding, audacious, outrageous, and all of that. So... uh, we're, we're on to something here that is when people lie uh, to cover up things, they'll lie more than once. But anyway, let's move on. Uh, right. If we look to image 40, the next one, this is another, another several images of the engine from different angles. The NTSB image at far left, the big one, shows all the propeller blades. Now, even though the engine obviously received many blows that the uh, Pound on the surfaces there, you'll see. Uh, the propeller is relatively unscathed, and it has some light, gentle bends on the blades, the two left and right, which I've called the four o'clock and the eight o'clock, and then there's a twelve o'clock up top. If you look at the upper right image, uh, we, that, uh, that twelve o'clock blade is just slightly bent, a little bit like a hockey stick on the upper right. But, uh, In the NTSB's image, we don't see any of the blade tip paint, and that's unfortunate because that would be relevant. And yet, uh, there's only one image that the NTSB put in its report that shows that propeller tip paint. Anyway, we see it in another image of another uh, uh, media outlet. Uh, plug them for a moment. Hawaii News Now, thank you very much. In the lower right, we see the blade tip paint scheme, and it's got a nice little wide black area between two white areas. But if we move on to the next image, we're going to see firstly the same image on the left from the NTSB, and then also from the NTSB, an image underwater. And as I said, the nose gear strut is seemingly undisturbed. And we see uh, two of the three propeller blades there. The third one is apparently just coincidentally on the far side of the engine. Um, And we see the lowest blade is apparently contacted the water first, has the most force before things started to slow down. And the upper blade there that we see Uh, probably endured a lot less water force because it's not bent so, but that lower blade is clearly bent backward. It appears to be in contact with the left side of the strut and um, that's very relevant, but the question would be, if you look at the NTSB image, which of those blades would have been that severely bent backward blade that we see underwater? The answer is... Cool. None of okay. them. No. And a blade, a propeller blade, does not become unbent. I mean, the wave action does not know how to unbend the propeller.
1: Uh, all right. I mean, there it is. Uh, there's... <laughs> all right. Obviously, somebody's lying here.
3: Okay. Yeah. Well, this left engine with its less bent propellers, and frankly... Uh, I mean, it just can't be the same engine. But that engine was sent off to the engine manufacturer, and they were told that that was the one that ditched. And it was found to have all kinds of problems inside and intense internal fire. It had fractured uh, compressor turbine blades. It had impact on the turbine shroud. It had uh, uh, a third to four-fifths of the blades all mangled and eaten away or uh debris had uh, wrecked them. They had broken off. That was obviously an engine that had a catastrophic engine failure, but it is not the one that sounded so wonderfully all the way down to the water uh, in the video that we have seen and heard. Um, so it's just not the same engine. So uh, there's a lot of evidence to support this and we'll be looking at that momentarily. Let's so move on to the very next. The
1: All right, go ahead. Yep. Next one?
3: All right. The next one shows that uh, the propeller blade tape, t- tip paint scheme. That is, we collected several underwater frames of the uh, blade tip paint scheme and uh, placed them aside, the one that we have on the barge uh, that we saw in the image just a few slides ago, and compared how that blade tip paint scheme looked between the barge images and the ones underwater. And none of the ones underwater seemed to have that nice big wide space. So the evidence very strongly seems to suggest, as well as that bend that we saw just a moment ago, that this was a different propeller that was underwater on the ditched engine versus the one that the NTSB would show and make pictures of on the uh, salver's barge. So the evidence is very strong about that but there's more, if we go to the next image we see an image from the uh, NTSB report and it has the only blade tip paint scheme that is in this entire report and we see that just below the orange box just to the lower right there, uh, between the big tire and the gentleman standing to the right, and uh, that blade tip doesn't seem to match the one that we had elsewhere, and if we look at the engine above that uh, tire, for example, and it's expanded to the right, it's all fuzzed up. It seems like it's a double exposure. And yet, if you look at other places in the image on the left, say, for example, in the red light at the upper left of that image, or the blue shirt of the gentleman to the right, or the stair step, uh, the block and tackle shadow that we see, none of that has a double exposure. But that area where the engine is does, and that gentleman to the lower left of the engine also has a very unique double exposure. Um, of his body and shoulder, you see, um, so you have to ask, what in the world is going on there, and why, this is the only image of the back of the engine in that uh, NTSB report, why would it be that, the, that we have a double exposure, so moving on, if we take that book author we spoke about, he has an image, also says, courtesy of the NTSB. He has a very fine image of the rear part of the engine. He's placed it in his book. It's there to the right. And in that image, we see copious saw cuts, just like the other image we had from another source. And uh, I've identified uh, what, eight or so or eight or ten of those. But if we move then to the next image, we see uh, an image that we had from before at the lower middle versus the one on this author-provided image that also came from the NTSB. That is two two hoses, two cables, two uh, uh, places where the uh, metal has been sawed And we see both inlets there, both sawed. But in the image on the upper right, one is covering the other. And if we compare those two images, they're not covering each other the same way. And these are kind of heavier metal pipes. They don't just flop into place. They had to be moved into place. So somebody apparently on site had to see that, well, they could at least eliminate the view of one of those saw cuts and uh, obscure that. So there's a little bit of culpability perhaps in in that. If we move to the next image, image 46, we've taken the image that was provided by the uh, same frame from the NTSB that had the uh, double exposure engine, we've taken that propeller blade tip paint scheme, we've rotated it and compared it to all the underwater blade tip paint schemes. And I'd have to say there's a very close match to that. Those look pretty comparable. So uh, maybe we have to do a double take and think about that. Uh, Rather than the evidence we thought was pretty clear just a few slides ago, maybe we have to go back to the drawing board. But if we go to the next frame, image 47, you'll see Firstly, in the upper left, that same image that we used first for the underwater blade comparison, and then on the right, the uh, NTSB-provided blade. But if you just look back and forth at them, you say, they're not the same. But an aviation person knows that all modern propellers on the same blade have the same blade tip paint scheme. That's just a well-known fact that's just not found any other way. And that's an anomaly that's really strong here. <clears throat> but these two are clearly not the same, so what do we do about that? Well, we go to the next image and take a look. This is a close-up of that image. This can be seen in the lower left in the box that expands. There's a notch drawn to by the red arrow at the bottom of that propeller blade and you can see on the far side of that notch there's a heavy metal pipe from the ship however, if we look at the NTSB's relative portion of that very same blade that is the back side that we saw earlier in a couple of images we have to say there's no notch there it's written there, no notch here in red But how can that possibly be? That is, that's the very same blade we know. It's the same wreckage. Why doesn't it exhibit the same notch? If we go to the next image, image 49, those yellow arrows point to what we call jaggies. Jaggies occur in digital images. There's just no way around it. And at a certain resolution, you see certain characteristics of the jaggies. And those jaggies are fairly characteristic uh, at the tips of the yellow arrows. However, if you look at the NTSB's provided blade tip paint scheme there, you see the two red arrows pointing at jaggies that are kind of coarse. They're not quite the same as those others jaggies elsewhere. So that's that's really unusual. But that's the kind of thing that if you had a lower resolution image, and you borrowed a portion of that image and put it in an image of a different resolution that's the very kind of thing that you might have as a residual effect of that
1: if we look so at the, image the images 50, were doctored i mean it, i'll I'll say it um if as a layperson the images appear doctored right
3: you think that you're convinced <laughs> we have even yeah. more evidence but let's you could say the bottom line look at image 4050 all right and we see that four o'clock blade tip paint scheme versus what the ntsb has provided now you'd have to say that's got to have been doctored but if we move ahead two images there i-52 we have other images from other sources other people had cameras other than the ntsb and we've got pictures of that very same blade tip, the very one. And we see those on the upper right and lower middle. And they exhibit a different paint scheme. There is no way in the world that anything else happened, other than that somebody who was caring for this NTSB image doctored it, photoshopped it, changed it, because it originally looked like the other two, and it wasn't done at that moment. Somebody had a, a paintbrush and swapped it. We know from that very hour, or those hours where this was available for inspection, that the blade tip paint scheme was different, and yet the NTSB chose to provide that image on the left, and you'd have to say, the only possible reason that could be that someone would alter, falsify evidence in a multi-year, how many, well, two and a half calendar year, how many man years, a conjecture of 10, 15, 20 man years. Who would do that? Who would make a criminal act to falsify evidence? Who would risk their life and career to do
1: that? Who indeed? Rex, stay right where you're at. Folks, stay right where you're at. This is absolutely amazing. You want evidence, hard evidence? Here it is. Who's going to take it and run with it? Anyone? Anyone? You're listening to Hagman and Hagman, exclusive. Be right back.
2: guy who has uh, done such a great job of investigative journalism, not only putting together the pieces, but putting together the visual puzzle, trying to figure out what really happened on the 11th of December 2013 with the plane crash of Loretta Fuddy, the gatekeeper of the Obama birth certificate.
1: And you um, may want to ask yourself, who the hell is in the White House? Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Um, Rex was on yesterday, this is part two of the two-part series, and he is an aviation and computer company executive, aviation expert and computer company executive, that has spent years with uh, these investigative findings, and has put together the report, as well as the visualization. Folks, go to YouTube, our YouTube channel, if you want the full uh, broadcast effect with the images and evidence there. Rex, I'm going to turn it right over to you. You were talking about the differences in the uh, propellers and the uh, the paint differences.
3: Where yes. Did we, go uh, we saw that uh, those propellers on the two different engines, the one underwater versus the one on the barge, could not be the same. That is, they were different engines and different propellers. We saw that the saw cuts on the engine that was brought up uh, could not have been the uh, uh, separation that uh, was done on the ocean floor. That is, the ocean floor cannot make saw cuts. And yet we saw earlier evidence that there were probably uh, some kind of cuts or some men working on the engine, uh, some 50 minutes, 45 minutes, Uh, after the airplane had crashed. And as we saw, the engine was rising up out of the water, or the entire airplane was rising up out of the water as we saw these figures and man-made devices at the crash site. Um, Now curiously, if one is cutting an engine off of, of an airframe, that's precisely what would happen. As the weight of that uh, engine would be removed from the airplane, its buoyancy would seem to increase. That is, it wouldn't have the weight, as much weight, pulling it down. So that would be a confirmation of the evidences we've seen. Now, I mentioned about this NTSB report. Uh, It would be just beyond the pale uh, for anyone without a tremendously. weighty reason, we'll say, uh, would take on uh, risk of career and uh, jail time, falsifying evidence in a crash investigation that uh, tallies so many man years. And uh, these things are vetted, of course, that is, they don't escape the NTSB without being read by will say all the team members, certainly by the investigator in charge, and all of the board, that is the NTSB board, the top guys and gals, of course, um, they are distributed these reports before they go out, and they must be accepted before they are. So this is one of the most vetted things that could have ever been out there. Now, curiously, I've requested... Uh, Uh, a lot of information about uh, some of these documents that would have been vetted and their control of who was looking at this or that, but curiously, I haven't been given that even though the time of the FOIA request has long expired. So I know they know me, I mean, I've spoken to uh, two of the guys on this uh, NTSB team, and um, I, I seem to have been deemed at one time at least to have valuable information. So uh, that's a, a hurdle by itself that one doesn't usually get through. But in any event, we I was hopeful that you would answer and say how much time we have left because that would help me
1: gauge where you know, I should we're, go. We're gonna, we are going to uh, give you the rest of the, the show as, as long as you to take it to the end because, folks, I can't think of any. Look, right now we got riots going on in Charlotte. Um, we got uh, all kinds of stuff taking place. But when it comes right down to it, uh, the importance of understanding how we've been gamed and who is in the White House, uh, who is run defense or you know run the interference for the guy in the White House, the complexity of all of this will be clear. I mean, the um, the weight of all this will be clear. As, as Rex summarizes this. So just, just let's plow through this, man. Let's just plow through it.
3: Okay. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, we've already established that the participants of this uh, exercise or this hoax have at many junctures uh, not told the truth. And I would just uh, go to one particular person and just show how this is more than a pattern it's not just a mistaken idea or a misremembering this or that. It's a very creative uh, telling of untruths. And uh, in this case, uh, one of the passengers um, said uh, that he swam to shore, and he did indeed swim to shore, but he conjectured, even though he didn't have a watch, that it took about 90 minutes to do that. And in various media reports, it's represented as either a mile or a mile and a half. So that's pretty creative, especially when we know the airplane was 260 yards out from shore. And we have on video uh, the place from which he took off and went to shore. And we've been able to time the distance from that, that is from his start, which was maybe 200 yards from shore and how long it took him to get to shore. And we see him walking the last little, uh, several, maybe 30, 40, 50 yards onto shore. And we know that time, if the NTSB imagery is at all correct, which we can uh, accept within certain bounds. But it appears that that swim took all of six minutes, and yet he somehow has aggrandized that into 90 minutes. Now, he arrived on shore uh, actually about, I think it's 53 minutes after the plane crashed. So those time stamps are known just absolutely. So even if he had started the moment the aircraft had crashed onto the water, Uh, we know by reports who say... Uh, the gentleman has arrived on shore from a swim, um, that was like 53 minutes apart. So he's really and wildly uh, exaggerated what uh, what happened. And we see what he says, he has a report to the uh, NTSB investigator in charge, and we see that that is also uh, wound up in, in falsehoods as well. Um, we saw that uh, when he left the scenario, that is when he began his swim, he was really among all the other people and he had been with those people for, let uh, will say 40, 45 minutes or so uh, with them at the plane and with them as they moved toward the southwest and uh, we know from various time-stamped reports how long all of that really took, even though it was condensed in the NTSB video to be about ten or twelve minutes. In any event, um, the the time frame there began. That is, his swim to shore began from those two hundred yards out. Just about the time that uh, the Fuddy um, a replacement had taken place. That is, Fuddy we see replaced. He swims uh, fifteen yards or so, takes a look. Is looking right at the replacement. From five yards away and then begins his swim to shore that's just all very creative and it has no resemblance to the truth and yet maybe the fact that the army the guy is an army green beret who would be very acquainted with such things as disinformation and psyops maybe that has something to do with why he chose to aggrandize these things he also made other statements and claimed the event occurred, for example, at 3.30, when we know better. He said the pilot exited out his door and swam around. But the pilot says very clearly that he came through the cabin on his way out and made sure no one was there. Uh, but perhaps they're dueling errors, uh, perhaps. But in any event, they, uh, what this Green Beret guy says does not comport with any other evidence to be found, and he says, for example, that uh, the pilot who was in that Grumman aircraft up above uh, homed in on the ELT—that is, the crash beacon—that uh, um, that would have sounded when the airplane hit the water. But in fact, that pilot did not have equipment on board to home in on any ELT, it's a very nebulous signal that cannot be so uh, localized to a particular place. So he was making that up, homing in on an ELT is not something that pilot had the equipment to do, could not have done it, so he was just making it up. And he said as well that he opened the life jacket uh, for this older couple, that is, I think one or the other was first, maybe the man. Uh, the older gentleman, he said that he was having trouble opening that plastic package that held his life jacket. And he conveniently, before he got out of the aircraft, uh, opened it from that package and put it on the gentleman and pulled just one side of the life jacket because he thought that would be sufficient. Well we see that guy getting out of the aircraft and he does not have a life jacket on. So hmm, that's interesting and we see his wife of whom he also says he she was also having difficulty pulling out the life jacket from its case and he helped her in the same way and pulled just one of uh, those tabs for the, her life jacket well we see her shortly at the wing and she doesn't have any life jacket on so these are all just made up things and this in such a concerted 100-instance case uh just has to be called disinformation by people who know what they're doing. And there's just no other way these kinds of things could have happened. That is, you can make one mistake or two or misremember three or four. But we're into the 100 plus. <laughs> And it's just such a pattern that it's amazing. Um, he also said that... uh Miss Fuddy appeared to be fine when he left. Well, as I said, he was looking right at his uh, Miss Fuddy's replacement, who was some kind of tall, spindly diver with a different kind of life jacket than Miss Fuddy had on uh, when he left. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, it can't have happened the way this person said. And we see this kind of thing elsewhere again and again as well. Many of the people in the scenario uh, say how the the winds and the whitecaps and all of this prevented the people from being able to stay together. Well, that complaint somehow didn't keep uh, the people from being separated for over forty-five, fifty minutes. They stayed not only together within 15 yards, but they stayed together within the field of view of the cameras. And that's just, as you might picture it, a kind of a triangular slice of horizontal space that is a very tight confine. And to say that, uh, as they do, the claim is that early on, even 25 minutes after uh, the plane is ditching. And as the plane somehow made some kind of sinking event, they all got separate. Well, we see them 25 minutes or more later, all within this narrow, narrow pie slice. So we know that their statements about these things are in concert and wrong. And it seems, well, there's a frame. Let me find which one it was. Mm, yes, an I-70, perhaps you can pull that one up. Um the interviews by police uh, are almost verbatim. Now, maybe they were standing next to each other and they heard the other one saying it and so forth, but nonetheless, uh, these are interviews of three different people, and they're using almost verbatim the very same words, and they all are wrong. They are clearly and demonstrably wrong.
1: That's uh, uh, an amazing... And- I just want to reinforce reemphas- or emphasize this as an investigator if you get uh if you if you've got a witness pool and and you talk to witnesses if you talk to the three different witnesses and you have uniformity of their statement that's always it's always indicative of uh the statement being scripted because you're yeah. always going to have a variation of the verbiage or even of the angular um it's going to be different this in this case i've never seen i've never seen this in in any i've never seen the uniformity of statements like this i, I mean yeah. in, in any real setting where it's not scripted
3: yeah uh we can look at some omissions that show other untruths if we look at i81 image 81 um we see a number of things that are uniform among all the passenger representations. Some represent some things to have happened that we know didn't happen, and they represent things that we know did happen that nobody's talking about. No one's talking about seeing any military equipment. No one's talking about seeing military trained divers or any kind of divers. No one's talking about seeing a red-haired mannequin when we know that Army Green Beret guy was within five yards of a red-haired, red-wigged, I should say, replacement. Uh, the mannequin, we haven't really talked about yet. We probably could get to that. But other mentions, like of running aground, no one anywhere mentioned it. No one mentioned the ability to stand, though we have images of... I'd say easily a dozen people who appear to be clearly standing. So all of that's pretty anomalous and again, as you say, the uniformity of that just makes this mind-boggling. We can look at uh, I-83 and we see that uh, various agencies apparently are compromised in various ways. We've made requests, FOIA requests. And the documentation that we had asked for uh, is either missing, altered, recopied, excised, redacted, um, all things that should never have happened. We know uh, there are very strict procedures that the Coast Guard goes through, uh, very strict protocols for what to do when you come upon a a person in the water and so forth. Well, there's just very many anomalies between what these people have done and what the protocols say to do. And we don't have a lot of the reports, say, for example, the swimmer reports. We know those people are required to keep logs and say what they did with person so-and-so and the next person and so on. Somehow we didn't get those when we made the very clear FOIA requests for them. So these are, you know, official misdeeds, I'll call them, uh, by people at the gatekeepers, I call them, in the Coast Guard and elsewhere. Frankly, it, and it's really kind of convenient in a certain way, even as wonderful as the FOIA the Freedom of Information Act was to provide to the citizenry all this information and be and have available to them all kinds of government records, unless there's a very clear reason like classified and for classified information or whatever, the, the citizenry should have access to them. But it's not supposed to be altered, recopied, changed in various ways and so forth. But that's exactly what we see and it's somehow made very convenient when there is a localized single person through whom these things can be forced. That is, the guy in charge of U.S. Coast Guard FOIAs or similarly about the Navy or or other agencies as well. That is, these FOIA requests can be reviewed by just a few people such that if they don't want to give somebody uh, uh, information, uh, they don't, somehow they don't do that. And we heard fairly early on that Butter Dazillion's requests were all being routed through the headquarters. And that was just a, you know, kind of a red flag for those folks hearing that kind of a thing. That is, normally these FOIA requests are handled by various offices throughout the country, by by whoever, uh, whatever group to which they were attached. Right. right. Um, but that, you know... Somehow, uh, as we know, frankly, from a lot of uh, Internet uh, detritus, if you will, evidence of people talking, that uh, B- Butter Dazillion has made a name for herself in many quarters. <laughs> um, moving yeah. on to that lower frame, the Maui County Fire Department and Police Departments, we see records being kept in obviously false manner and jumb- jumbled excise log. I, I remember, uh, Butter talked to Doug about that on one of her previous occasions. That is, we got the, the time stamp log, the day file, uh, second by second of all kinds of activities. But what we got from the Maui County Fire Department was chopped off. It was reorganized. And anyone, a third grader, could see that and yet they chose to reaffirm that there was no such uh, cutting up and there was no such reordering. There was uh, among one of the official observers of the police department, he wrote up his report and said that this entire activity happened on the east side of Kalapapa and that the plane and the occupants drifted further east. Well. You know, maybe you have somebody who can't tell east from west. So we did indeed appeal that and ask if maybe that, that kind of mistake might have been made. But no, it was reaffirmed to be correct. And it's just obviously uh, false.
1: Yeah, It's relied by happened?
3: all the visual evidence and <laughs> the audacity that someone would not take the opportunity on appeal to uh, fix something you know, basically prove that they're not innocently overlooking something. But this begins to be a pattern of the weighty pressure, the weighty something that we can't quite see that would cause people to continue in something that's obviously false. Why would they do things like this? Why would they not wear the white hat when they could? So there's things like that that are just very disconcerting. Right. Uh, if we move ahead to the next frame, 84, we see things like this happening elsewhere, the Federal Aviation Administration. We know that records such as these were required to be kept for five years. And they have been destroyed, and it's confirmed that they were destroyed and saying that they were justifiably destroyed when we know that there are at least four reasons that they should not have been destroyed. And I have the letter from literally an assistant administrator of the FAA who wrote what is clearly faulty logic and false justification uh, as if it were justified. And uh, that's just beyond the pale, but yet again it's evidence that people are willing to do things that are very much not in accordance with policy and make this kind of representation to uh, the citizenry through FOIA and uh, that's so much FOIA. scary, let me tell you yep. that is yep. these people feel they can get away with this and yep. it's yet to be seen whether they do I mean, I've been—I I've brought this information to uh, numerous places in government, and I've yet to find good uh, friction, uh, traction. Right. And mm. uh, you know, one has to ask why that would be. Isn't there anyone that wears a white hat anymore? Uh, is this and, and just we, a, Rex, a we, pattern we, of corruption that will not stop?
1: We, we're we're going to make a call out here right now to anyone in government or anyone who uh, who, who gives a damn to, to to make this known, because this we you know as an investigator, if someone came to me and said, "Look, I've got the evidence here; it is," and they lay it out right in front of you, all of the work is done, all of the requests have been have been uh, submitted, all of the paperwork has been received, uh, the analysis of the video has been done. And there's lies upon lies upon lies, and here they are, numbered one through, you know, in a visual format like this, and no one is going to run with this? Come on. Somebody out there. Thank you, Rex. Okay, go ahead.
3: Well, I uh, have to be clear as well that I would be uh, remiss in my responsibilities if I didn't vet this information with people who know even better than I might people sure. who've done crash investigations. I have an acquaintance who's a retired NTSB investigator in charge. And let me tell you, that's a well-respected person who everyone in my sector of aviation uh, in some, in some um, metaphoric sense would bow down to. But I presented this there, and it looked all correct to him as best I could say. To current uh, FAA p- investigators, people who have done this day in and day out for years and decades, and affirmation. Also, at the same time, saying, Don't use my name. Sure. But, uh, you know, that was a non official review, but that's the kind of vetting, and I've done that elsewhere with other aviation professionals also people who fly jets all the time, own companies that do this kind of thing. And let me tell you, it's always been thumbs up, good work, that's right.
1: Okay, Rex, hold hold up right there. When we come back for the final segment here, I really want you to lay out what in the world happened here, who's responsible, to what end, because this is is where the rubber meets the road. I I was fascinated by this. I I didn't want to believe it and... Looking at the totality of evidence, I now believe it. And it's it's hard. It's a hard pill, bitter pill to swallow. We're talking with Rex, aviation computer expert. Done a, just a tremendous job with this with this uh, investigation. We're we'll right back. Stay right right there. <laughs> Folks, well, just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip that started out from this tropic port aboard this tiny ship. Yes, the mate, he was a mighty sailing man. The skipper was brave and sure. Yeah, should I continue? I think not. You get the idea. Yeah, before we
2: get into this hour, if I may ask Rex a question Yes. from a guest and listener, John Yes, why would the powers that be go to such elaborate lengths to pull such a technically military complicated hoax? If they wanted Fuddy dead, why not Breitbart the whole plane
1: uh, in deep water? My question exactly. My question too. Rex. Why bother?
3: Oh, uh, it's not a bother at all. This is audacity at work. This is seeing how much we can get away with. The more audacious the better. And, for example, we have uh, Fuddy being replaced by uh, this diver, spindly diver. He has a red wig. Why do that? The only one that cares is the camera. There is absolutely no other person around for whom that matters other than the camera. The camera has foreknowledge that this was going to happen. The videographer is placed there by the planners of this event. They didn't want Fuddy dead. Have we not heard that <laughs> we te- treat our friends one way and we treat our adversaries another? This was clearly not an adversary to uh, these powers that be. This was a friend. And as a result of this, so there were lawsuits filed and there were payouts that were very satisfactory to the plaintiffs. And yet we know she didn't die, at least in the way that uh, this is represented. She exited that scenario alive, just like the guy who was watching that Army Green Beret said. We saw him, and we knew she was already gone. So there's absolutely no reason to think, uh, at least within the confines of this scenario, that anything other than the careful watching over of fuddy by military trained divers happened here. And so um, all of these other things, for example, video, vide- videographing all of this information, all of this scenario is an audacious attempt to see how much we can get away with. The audacity of, saying that the airplane was separated by a winter storm that all that wreckage and the engine was thrown off by rolling around repeatedly on the on the floor of the engine or on the ocean floor that's nothing but audacity mm-hmm. outrageousness to see if we can get away with it. If we can clamp down the FOIA requests, if we can keep people in the realm of conjecture and so-called bright barding and all of this, that's what they want. That's what they want to be able to do. So this is kind of a thermometer, a temperature check on what they can do. And if the elites can do the more audacious things, they want to this was the thing of the 1967 memo within the CIA about uh declaring uh, cons- uh the term conspiracy theorist or theories uh pejorative that is it's you know how in the world would you want to advantage say you're a policeman how is it you would want to advantage uh, a conspiracy Uh, say a criminal conspiracy and say that somehow uh, we're going to be laughed out of court, we're going to be laughed out of investigation just because it's a conspiracy. Well, no, I'm afraid not. If we want to find a criminal, we want to find all the more those criminals who might be conspiring together. But somehow the government uh, puts out this idea that they want to make a pejorative, they deprecate the term conspiracy theorist, which does nothing but advantage anyone who's involved in a conspiracy. Now, who would be involved in conspiracies? Well, let me tell you, to get anything done in a government requires a conspiracy. And we see so much conspiracy here, it's just not funny. But I'm not a conspiracy theorist in a pejorative way. They might have tried to make that a pejorative, but these are facts. This is copious evidence. There are mounds of evidence. There is irrefutable video fact that just cannot be overcome by somebody saying, oh, that is, she was is parted. she was killed, she was whatever, and you're just so wacko. That's just not where we are with this.
1: this and, 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 my yeah, partners wrecks- and
3: people like myself would not... Do that kind of thing. We would only dare come forth after years of painstaking research, despite all of the gauntlet things that have been thrown in our path.
1: I, and, and, and I appreciate that. And I just want to say to the people listening and the people watching this: When I, I asked you the very same question, and you gave us the same answer, but you also said something else. You said, "Doug, you're assuming that they wanted her dead." And that they, what makes you assume that? You know, you ask me, and, and that's right. I mean, we have to stop the assumptions and just work off the evidence. And and you you set me straight on that because uh, maybe they didn't want her dead. It, you you just pile a whole bunch of evidence here in a, a term as evidence. This, this yeah, is a
3: person who's done them major favors. I mean, the head of our government was the one who said the only people who don't want to disclose the truth are those people who have something to hide well there are all kinds of things that people have wanted to know truth that's been kept hidden millions and millions of dollars been spent to keep him hidden by his own words he has something to hide
1: amen brother that's all right all right we've got about I don't know 15 minutes left here um there's so much here folks Rex has been kind enough to to uh share with us the fruits of his labors the him and um his colleague Butter and 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 this is no, no, they're using I'm not telling you it, Rex's last name because uh well we know who he is and um th- there's an element of danger here you've been threatened too i just want to let people know you've been threatened and some of the threats have been Acted upon you want you want to you just want to get into that at all or do you want to stay away from that?
3: Uh, I don't see much benefit to that. Uh, okay. I appreciated the food taster kind of thing, but no, actually, uh, I feel fortunate and blessed that even though certain threats might have been made to me, and um, I think they were frankly pretty clear, but uh, I don't feel that they've been acted upon necessarily, other than perhaps in a small way. Mm -hmm. Um, My colleague, however, has suffered greatly, and I think that's uh, one of my biggest motivations here. That is, I cannot let uh, a corrupt government conspiracy uh, hurt my friends this way. And that's very clearly happened here, and uh, I hope there's some fear. Uh, of some justice left in this little world, and even in
1: government, because you've uh, also been you've also been taken to task by the conservatives, a lot, people who are supposed to be your friends. You've been taken to task well, for, by them
3: too, ostensibly conservatives. Perhaps I know the characteristics mm-hmm. of a conservative: someone who is indeed very interested in the law and very interested in making sure that corruption doesn't win the day. And uh, I feel that. Attacks many of the attacks that have come my way. Um, those who those have come from people not in the scenario, and that's also happened. But the people outside the scenario, I can pretty quickly tell the difference between people who are interested in so-called truth, justice, and the American way, as opposed to those people who are looking to throw out disinformation looking to trash reputations looking to drag the whole conversation down by references to Hitler and and comparable things <laughs> uh, all of that pretty quickly falls into a couple of different camps but um, I'm I really want to see this rectified and it needs to be done so I'm happy to be part of that Um. If the dark forces win the day, um, hopefully I will have inspired, uh, other people, at least, uh, in some corners to, uh, to do painstaking, honest, truthful, truth-oriented, justice-oriented research and to, uh, not fearfully come forward when it's, uh, completed. And that's where we are.
1: Okay, Rex, you wanna stay below the radar um that's why you don't have a social networking site, you don't have a website. you've got this investigative work product. You're not in this for anything except the truth. How can people contact you um if they want uh, to help you or whatever?
3: Yeah, I've set up uh an email address that I'm happy to receive email to, and that's uh the front part of that is the fuddy hoax uh T H E F U D D Y H O A X and it's at unseen dot I S U N S E E N dot I S. And I'm right. um, happy to receive an email there to the degree I'm able. I will respond. And um I really welcome that kind of input. If yeah, you man. want to threaten me, uh, go ahead and stay home. <laughs> uh I prefer not. as I don't. I'm not into this just to receive uh, more gauntlets and cudgels. Um, if someone wants honestly to know the truth, well, let's see if we can't get this done together.
1: Amen. So, Ron, uh, it, you know, I just I, I I have to say this as well. Um, Your uh, the the product that you've provided here, and, and folks, please go through this again. Uh, understand what, we're, what you're seeing, understand what Rex has offered. There's much more to this as well. I mean, we could go on for another, I'm sure, another 12 hours and present additional evidence. You've just seen the, the cut of, of this, a slice of this. Um, but, you know, it, this is very well done. Um, so, so contextualize this, please. Here we are, 2016. This happened uh, three years ago. Uh, To what end? To what end? larger picture.
3: Well, I think the larger picture is uh, something you go back to the Magna Carta for. You have uh, the divine right of kings, people who would be tyrants if they were let loose, They don't like things like uh, the Magna Carta. King John certainly didn't. Uh, We had religious leaders like uh, Archbishop of Canterbury to try to mediate something good out of that. Uh, They came up with such a document that was unheard of on the scene before that, and yet uh, it took many wars and hundreds of years before... Uh, most of the benefits of that were uh, perfected. And one of the perfection, perfecting activities was indeed the U.S. Constitution, where not divine right of kings, but uh, consent of the governed is the desire for uh, authentic govern- government. And they put forth, those founders did such a wonder wondrous document that we see uh, and have seen, frankly, over hundreds of years, people trying to take apart. And uh, there have been various approaches to that, and some people have come up with uh, uh, rules that people can follow to be disruptors and to spearhead certain activities that uh, seem to detract from that, that uh, would be met with... Uh, reactive things from government that uh, uh, would disruptively wobble out of control if you will and they've exploited such things and it it just happens again and again Um, I happen to think the US Constitution is a wonderful thing when I was in eighth grade I spent a lot of my time uh, learning all about it and revering all of the things that went into it I see that uh, being taken away less and less uh, such that uh, the current public school kid, uh, eighth grade or wherever they do that, uh, hears a whole lot less than I did about that. And I uh, I bemoan that. I worry about that. And I see that that uh, basically changes the way people view things, and it's very saddening. I uh, I hearten when I hear that Idea, and not because Trump said it, but to make America great again, via vis-a-vis or within the context of the Constitution, is precisely the kind of thing that needs to go in that direction. That is, we want that kind of thing, and no one should be bashing that kind of uh, that kind of uh, virtuous uh, goal. It's been that way before, uh, not to say it's been pure and. but it's been one of the goals that so many people have uh, fought and died for and uh, given us a country that we could live in that had so many wonderful freedoms, and uh, I prefer not to see tyrants uh, take that back, especially when they think they can do things more and more audaciously. They can clamp down on things like FOIA and keep things that are legally required to be shared uh, hidden and that uh, years can go by uh, before people are able to assemble the truth, just working their darndest, and then to have to live with the idea that everyone thinks that's old news. Well, let me think. Those are devices that people have thought long and hard about, just like these CIA guys in 67 writing a little memo saying... I think it would be good to deprecate the term conspiracy theorist, think of what we could get away with if we didn't have people being able to stand in the town square with all these freedoms and comment about what the news media are bringing around, the uh, town crier or whatever. Those freedoms were set forth in our Constitution, and I see how wonderful they are in many instances. Um, and I want to see that return to as best possible. Uh, maybe there are even better things that uh, eventually can happen. That is, we went from Magna Carta to the U.S. Constitution. Maybe in the bright future, uh, Job has a bigger family and even more wives and children, that kind of thing. That is, I'm hearkening to the story of Job in the Bible that just because things look bleak at a certain point in time, don't mean they couldn't be better even in the future. So, I look Amen, forward bro. to actually a lot of good things in the future. And, uh, I, I want to live that way.
1: Yeah, and, and I think, I think we all do. And, and you know what? The, um, compilation of the evidence that you put together. This is a gift to, to any investigator, uh, or to anyone interested in, in getting at the truth. Uh, is there anyone left? Is there anyone left? Because, Exposing this will expose the larger events, and 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 I truly believe this. Anyone who has uttered the the phrase, well, man, I wonder if Hillary is, it looks like two different people, or, or, you know, it's possible there could be a body double, or anyone who's ever expressed that there, said that there was something wasn't right about about the Hillary Clinton uh, candidacy. Anyone who's expressed... uh, but, yeah,
2: it goes well beyond that. But <clears throat> this this, is, this marriage of of government and media yep. that has has become so prevalent in our society today uh, shuns any and everybody who has an independent thought and an ulterior version of events, regardless of where that stands in truth, uh, based on. How it will affect the overall political system's image and the, mm-hmm. and the people who run the world's image. They just
1: gave you the playbook, though. Right. I, I
2: mean, right. It, and The and practical he, he, aspect of this is here it is. It exactly, is, and this should be a template for how we look at and go through all of these uh, strange occurrences and you know coincidences from uh, you know odd deaths to uh, how campaigns are brought down through um, you know cheating and and and, and fraud and well, it's
3: just we see lots that. of. Go ahead. We see lots of activities from government that uh, go in this direction. Uh, you know, mob rule kinds of things, just deciding to pay out to uh, uh, certain farmers $2.3 billion in payouts, deciding to uh, punish conservative activists via the IRS to uh, haunt uh, or chase after Scooter Libby with a huge legal expense, and so on and so forth. Um, All of these things, like every facet of political correctness is meant to chip away at our freedoms. And these people, like with the ghrelic wall, you know, to set up a difference between intelligence and law enforcement so that we can't fight this as if it were a concerted effort, or um, even if you say a small conspiracy, or we're fighting terrorists. No, we've been given to understand that we have to fight criminals. That is, we don't know what his motivation is. We don't treat it as a bigger picture item. We can only go at this with the police enforcement type approach. All of these things are put forth by people who are in government in a concerted fashion, trying to limit our freedoms, and it's happening again and again and again. So sure. we have to have effective ways of countering that, that uh, don't turn us into tyrants. You know, people would accuse some people who want to go in these good directions as you know various pejorative names and being their own tyrants and so forth. But that's not the case at all. So I think there's a difficult thing sometimes for people to, to make these discernments. Um, and frankly, they are discriminations. That is, we need to discriminate. We can't believe that uh, discriminating has become a pejorative term that we must uh, right. push aside every time. It's just like conspiracy theorists. You want people who can deal with conspiracies and, and get behind the truth. We don't want to push away that, that goodness that's involved with those things.
1: Amen to that, Rex. Th- thank you for your gift of time these two nights. The incredible sacrifice you and your colleague have made to bring forth the uh, the, the evidence of of uh, the evidence of corruption, the evidence of a conspiracy here. I don't think anyone can doubt that. And even if it was ten percent, even if you are wrong on ninety percent, which you're not, I, I don't believe you are. But even if ten percent is accurate, then we must ask the question: Why? Well, the why I believe is to hide at the very top of our government to, to hide the uh, not just the identity, but the pedigree and the bias, inherent bias of the of the leadership at the top. And you're right: the audacity of this particular complex conspiracy. It's because they can do it. And they're testing the waters in a lot of ways. Um, you're absolutely correct in all of this. But, Rex, thank you so much. Uh, and uh, I, I would urge anyone <laughs> with any comments, comments positive, that is, any uh, desire to help, Rex, his email, thefuddyhoax at Is Rex, do you have any closing statement?
3: Well, there's so much more that could be said. Um, Let me just say that this was clearly a planned event. We have things such as military divers on scene within seconds. We see an engine replacement. Uh, We see the videographer. We see no one batting an eye when the object of so much attention in the scenario is replaced by someone else. All of this speaks planned action and also the false representations to place events outside of this quarter mile boundary that the uh, Kalawau County had is only able to be understood when you say that then people who would have responsibility to take testimony, to investigate and do various things, didn't have to. And so things actually happened a lot closer for the passenger safety, for example. But all the representations were that this was on the open ocean and a mile and a half out there kind of thing, just so these people wouldn't have to investigate. There's planning, to be sure, in all of that. And then there's cover-up. All of these uh, editing of sounds and pictures and so forth, what we've covered here is just a small piece of that. There's a lot more. And it's all consistently in the wrong direction. And, uh, I mean, I could talk about so much more evidence, and hopefully it will come out in in an appropriate venue where people who are interested in true justice will deal with this. Now, I'm not interested in awakening... Uh, unrighteous justice or people who want to maliciously prosecute this or that like they were able to with uh, Scooter Libby that's just not useful and appropriate at all but if people are interested in justice there's a story here that needs to be exposed and corrected
1: Amen brother Thank you again for your gift of time. We're going to cut you loose. God bless you. We got just a few minutes left of our Thank program. Thank you very much. Thank
3: you
2: for the incredible presentation you, and hard work you put into this.
1: Yes. Folks, that was Rex and uh, the Fuddy Hoax at unseen.is. The Fuddy Hoax at unseen.is. And I just want to remember or remind everyone as well, a portion of this broadcast brought to you by Casper.com slash CFP radio that's casper.com slash CFP radio in, in the closing minute or two we've got left Joe uh, we've got riots taking place in, in Charlotte we've got uh, um, a number of things we've got the admission by the State Department that they're secreting or, or they're, they're allowing uh, terrorists into the refugee population to come into this country you've got uh, yeah. we have economic uh, news war news you got Election news. I mean,
2: we only got a few minutes uh, before the end of the program, but let's do this. Let's go through some of the important news. Um, there is still information coming about uh, about the Charlotte shooting. Yep. Apparently, it was said that this man had his hands up and he was shot with his hands up. Apparently, there's some conflicting reports about reports about that. I have not seen the video, so I don't want to comment on this either way without uh, looking at this myself. But regardless, there have been uh, reports of unrest and, you know, uh riots and protests in the streets uh, where this happened. And but one Trump- man was killed during the protest tonight by being shot in the head with a tear gas round, a protester... So things are heating up. But does that give them the, the, the reason or the motive to
1: go into Walmart and take a uh, absolutely iPad not, or, 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 absolutely or a TV not. or
2: what? And we already have gone through the statistics where more white people are killed by police officers than black people. And, you know, and all these different statistics, which um, I guess the bottom line is, and it doesn't matter anymore. If a police officer kills a black man, whether he's armed, whether he's, you know, in the commission of a violent crime, whether it be rape, murder, robbery... And is killed in that crime. It is now the status quo for the community to back up against this, uh, you know, criminal. And in some cases, they're not all, obviously, they're not all criminals. There are a lot of people who are shot by police on both sides of the aisle unnecessarily and without cause. But it seems that the black community, for uh, whatever reason, and there's a lot of them, I say whatever reason because pick your reason today but they're up in arms and very upset about this. So we're going to continue to, to monitor those developments. Also, um, in case you missed it, the manhunt for the Manhattan bomber, according to some, was racist. Jeez. Um and I think I put that up on Hagman Report today. And, and I'll say and this, also, uh,
1: uh, Joe, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced. Do not tell me that this man did this in a vacuum. Don't tell me that he was the only uh, conspirator, only perpetrator in this. Absolutely not. I, I you mean in New York? No, it's come out, actually. The father
2: reported him to the FBI twice after the FBI had denied knowledge That they were on his radar. Here it is, FBI lies again. NYC bomber was on the FBI radar after two calls from the father claiming he was a terrorist. Also, separate news. Um, The more about what Obama has said from the U.N., uh, rumblings, Hillary Clinton may cancel the debate on Monday. Yep. As well as... um, Surprise. Yeah, there is... uh, The Islamic uh, State State Department admitted the Islamic State terrorists are trying to pose as refugees in their own words to come in for invasion. We'll be back tomorrow with Dr. Michael Lake, followed by a strong performance Friday by Dr. Ted Brewer. Not going to want to miss these shows. Till tomorrow.